and good day, everybody. Welcome to Sticky Jazz. I'm your host, Jeremy Hinks, the man of a million musical opinions. All of mine happen to be correct. This week, I have uh, the man who Josie Cotton referred to as the Marlon Brando of punk, the godfather of punk, West Coast punk, Jack Grisham, the lead singer of the band TSOL out of Huntington Beach, California, and they have been around since 1983. Jack Grisham has solo projects of the West Coast Dukes and a really fun band called Lost Souls. He is a uh, social commentator, comedian, uh, smokes really nice cigars, and posts about drinking really good coffee, apparently. So uh, I'm going to kick this one off with the song Soft Focus off the album Beneath the Shadows. So let's all stick back and do the sticky jazz.
All right, everybody, and welcome to Sticky Jazz. This is Jack Hanks here, and I've got on the line Jack Grisham. Uh, he is the lead singer for the West Coast punk band TSOL, uh, the band Jack Grisham and the West Coast Dukes, the band Jack Grisham and Lost Souls. Uh, he's an actor, activist, writer, and uh, he was on his way to becoming a stand-up comedian and somehow ended up in a band. So, I'm sure I missed something, Jack. You want to fill it in? Yeah, that's... I literally don't practice any of those things whatsoever <laughs> these days. But, but yeah. Yes. So, um, it's a well, pleasure to be here. Thank you for having me with you. Oh, well, I've been a fan of yours for... Uh, 30 plus years now. And uh, I know that only makes you, what, 33, right? Is that it? Is that... <laughs> I'm every bit of the 59 I'm carrying. Every bit of it. So, so but your, your hair's gone blonde the last couple, the last yeah, little bit. It's, I mean, it's, it's, yeah, it's a nice, very, I, I call it what I call it, I call it Temple City Blonde. Mm-hmm. Because it's, uh, you know, when the Latin cats, when they bleach their hair, mm-hmm. it does this, you know, gnarly orangish blonde. It's a Temple City blonde. That's what I call okay. it. Well, you see, unlike the rest of us, you've kept yours over all the years. And uh, that was, uh, that, that, that's quite, a, I mean, I remember when I went and saw you, when you rolled through Salt Lake back on Lost Souls in, what, 2012. And I was like, damn, he still has all of his hair. How does he do that? Yeah, I don't got all of it, but I have a lot of it. Yeah. <laughs> Luckily, <laughs> who knows? I, I don't know. I'm beat. I will tell you, though, I've taken some beatings. Because we still tour like ATS. Well, we still tour like we used to tour. You know, like we're in a van. We drive around in a van. And, uh, you know, I'm 59, you know, and, and these guys go, whoa, come on. The Rolling Stones can tour. And they're in their 70s. Like, bitch. They're flying on private planes. They're getting transfusions. They got the chefs and Four Seasons Hotel, and they only play one show every, you know, couple of days. You know, give me that bullshit. And it's like they're not in a band. You know, I, how long would that band have, would have lasted if they would have been in a band the whole time? Uh, right, not a glorious tour bus between. And yeah. No, not even a tour bus. We are literally in a van. We're oh, yeah, no, yeah, I remember when, yeah. when you rolled through last time, you, you said, yeah, we got up really ass early in the morning and we drove straight through here and this is our first gig on the tour. And I mean, yeah. that was, uh, you, you said that you were surprised that there were, there were about 11 people there that night, which was pretty good. You said you weren't expecting that many for it being a Sunday night in Salt Lake City, but uh, right. yeah. that, that was one hell of a show. Uh, you weren't happy with the bootleg on that. I was kind of a, I was like, man, I thought that was a pretty good recording. Oh, I, I don't like listening. I don't like saying, look, I'm like everyone else. They don't want to hear their voice on the answering machine. Don't like seeing pictures of themselves. Don't want to hear them singing. It's like, I, I can't listen to any of it. None of it. Like, I, I just, it, it just bothers me. I, I just, um, so, I like, I don't even like when we're doing mixing and stuff, I will literally just walk away and just say, hey, you're doing this because you're good at it. I'm sure it's going to be good. Thanks. <laughs> you just got to know your limitations, man. Well, I remembered watching you on a YouTube thing a while back, and 
I, I really laughed because I was like, oh, he's on one. He's totally on a roll right now. But you were talking about how this is how we write our songs and I'm really mean to the guys in the band and I don't give a shit about my fans and I don't do this. And I was just laughing. I'm like, Jack is so full of shit. <laughs> like, oh, that was, you know, and that one's funny, man. I mean, you can see that I'm screwing around. Right, right, right. I, I think that's a video where I've got the taxidermy all around me and shit. And just, I, I, that's what I'm thinking about. And, you know, I'm just trying, like people lighten the fuck up. You know, sometimes I get so shocked. I think, hey, this is punk rock, right? This is, mm -hmm. you know, so if I'm just being an asshole and fucking around, it's like, don't take it so goddamn seriously. Lighten the fuck up. It just, it just gets way too serious sometimes. But it was that guy who he, he uh, can't remember his name. Is it Eric something? He's always interviewing punk and metal oh, guys. Oh yeah, Eric Blair. Yeah, yeah. Eric Blair, my buddy Eric Blair. Yeah, well, he had Glenn Danzig on there, and I'm like. Smack him! Smack him! Come on, just hit him really hard! Come on, just just for just for me, man. You know. I don't know if Eric's ever hit anyone. I don't. I don't, th I don't think so. But if anybody deserves it, it would be. Well, actually, no. Let's see. It would be. Um. It would be either Glenn Danzig or Michael Graves. Those two bastards just need a good pounding, man. Um, Glenn yeah, I don't Danzig. Know. I, I try to stay out of stuff like that because I know a lot of people have always wanted to give me a good pounding too. So. You know, yeah, I, I, but it probably wouldn't work. You, how tall are you? You're like six four. Uh, six four. Yeah, yeah, six four. Okay, yeah, probably wouldn't work out. Someone taking a swing at you, but I'm sure you've been in a few scraps over the years. But uh, uh, I've taken a, I've taken a, I've taken a beating or two. That's uh, <laughs> you know, you know, it's funny. I was thinking about this before. If you're the one dispensing the beating, the beating goes extremely fast. Like, like within, you know, a, a few moments, it, it, it seems like instantly it's over, right? But if you're the one getting the beating, the beating goes extremely long. It's just like, yeah, it goes in slow motion. But like, I, I was playing rugby in Salt Lake just this, this however long ago, it, not long enough because it still hurts. But, um, uh, I played the, the, with the, the Utah group of Polynesians that hang out here and play rugby just to walk on game, right? Yeah, yeah. And so I'm the littlest guy there, and uh, I went and I hit this guy. They call him Little Greg because he's not. And uh, I hit him in the stomach as hard as I could with my shoulder, and I like to think he noticed. And, uh, but that I hit and I felt it just like, just this, you hear that? Yeah. Yeah. And I remember in slow motion as the world spun and I flew onto my back and was like, I don't know if I'm gonna get up from this. And that was 20 plus years ago. <laughs> and my shoulder still hurts. But yeah, I remember that slow motion of hearing it impact and flying yeah. off, you know? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Good old days. Yeah. Well, no, I, it's just uh, Michael Graves from The Misfits. He's a proud boy now. And he's, like, touting his racism shit and how he's, you know, got his guns and going to support Trump and that. And that's kind of uh, made a lot of people dislike him uh, like that. And I don't know, I was at one show in Boston where some kid had a, um, a Danzig Poland T-shirt. And yeah. you know how Glenn is, how Glenn will, like, sue you for anything. Right. And so Glenn yelled, he stopped the concert, started yelling, and had security go over and try and rip his shirt off and everything. And he's like, dude, it's Danzig, Poland, man. You don't own the rights to the name of that city, asshole, you know? So, yeah, yeah. 
After all that, I was like, come on, Eric, hit him just once, you know, because I just, I, I don't know, Glenn Danzig's kind of just become the jerk of jerks over the last ever, but uh, I know Doyle's a pretty good guy. Uh, everyone seems to still get along with him, but, you know, Misfits are one of those, uh, I don't know, you've played with those guys before, right? Um, No, never. I, I don't, never, not with me, not when I was in the band, no. Oh, never. Oh, okay. Never, I, yeah, and I don't, I, I yeah, whatever those, I, I just don't worry about that kind of stuff. I, I don't, uh, I don't care what anybody does. I, you know, everyone's got their own thing, I, I just don't care. <laughs> just uh, fucking doesn't, you know, I, you, you've been in it too long to care. Is that what you're saying? Well, it's just, yeah, it's just, yeah, I just don't anymore. I, I just, it doesn't do anything for me. You know what I mean? I, great. First of all, most people, I don't even know a lot of these bands' songs. I, I don't even know, you know, so it's like, and I don't know the politics or what they're doing or what people are involved in. I just don't care. I have a small little world and I stay in my little world. I write and I've got some friends and and I just do little stuff. That's what I like. I like doing little stuff in a little world, and I just don't give a shit about what anyone else is doing. I, I, fucking, I, I didn't even know when you said, you know, yeah. It's like, I, I don't even know. I, I don't even know when that guy might have been in that band. I, I don't know. I've never seen him. I, I went... One time I went to a Misfits show because somebody asked me to. Uh-huh. And so I, you know, I went, but I was only there for a minute. And then and then we left. I just went to say hi to some people. And so I have no, I you know, I got no idea what, what anybody does. I, I just, I don't. Oh, okay. So that, I don't well, as of late, you know, the whole stir of the Proud Boys and all that, that's where everyone really went up in a rage about Michael Graves and so but uh, man so let's see you guys did that you you really did that gnarly version of it's a wonderful world right, that, that, right. and and I was really shocked about that because I, I have to say like you know because it's TSOL here um, I don't usually go crying and getting all sappy over TSOL you know, <laughs> yeah that was pretty moving, and uh, I mean, explain why. Tell us, tell us why well, you just, did it. You know, what was, was the point it, for that one? Well, it was it, it was interesting. Like, so we're we're actually in the studio recording something else, and uh, to be honest, I don't even remember what we were recording. And a friend of mine, this this Cat Randall, he said, "Hey, would you?" He goes, "I'd love to hear you do a little bit of." Uh, you know, what a wonderful world or whatever, you know. Right. So it was just, it was actually just something. It was just the piano and and me. It was just Greg and me. I said, hey, let's just do a little of this and we can tape it and I'll send it off to Randall, right? So so we sat there and and we started to do it and, and then the lyrics just bothered me. Like they bought, they bothered me, you know. So I said, "Hey, let me just let me just take a couple of minutes out. I'm gonna take a couple of minutes out, and let me just rewrite these words." So right. we ended up rewriting the words, and then we did it with the, just the piano and the voice, just laid, but no drop, nothing, no rhythm, just piano and voice. We did it. And we thought, "Hey, you know what? This 
<laughs> this is kind of cool. And so, uh, you know, we got my friend Eric Orfane to come and lay real strings on it. And, uh, you know, so it was just, uh, you know, just something that kind of really just came out of nowhere. And, and it was, it, it, again, it's not something you would attach next to a TSOL song. It was very beautiful. It was moving. Not, you know, it was, just, I mean, because, you know, TSOL is great. It's this pounding great punk. And I was like, wow, this is, I mean, that was very different than, than anything I've ever heard out of you guys. And it was, no, it was I mean, awesome. Yeah, but, the, you know, that was the thing about us, though, is, is, you know, at least as long as I was in the band, we always tried to... Do something different. We tried to, you know, I I left the band in eighty three, in nineteen eighty three, and then got back in ninety nine, six eighty nine. So six years later, whatever, right? So as long as I was in the band, I've always pushed for us to try shit. I mean, we did a cover of uh, Anne Marie's "One Thing." For God's sake, you know, it's like I I always wanted to just experiment, try stuff, see how far we could go. You know, and never just be stuck in any just kind of groove and just be stuck there. I mean, so many of these supposed punk bands, uh, I, I think they just fucking cater. They they cater to their audience. They they come up with a sound and, and hey, people dig this sound and we can make money and we can keep, uh, you know, we can keep just cranking out the same fucking record and they'll keep buying it and you know, and I've never been a fan of that. It's like I I'd rather just do whatever I fucking feel like doing. If people don't like it, well then they don't fucking like it. So mm -hmm. so, you know, like TS well, we've always tried to like push the limits a little bit. And and I think that's the trouble. That's why a lot of people didn't understand us, is they would listen to these records and say, Oh, these guys are fucked. But the deal is when we played a live show we'd mix the whole thing. Like, we'd go from this crash and burn, you know, fuck abolish government into this pretty piano Beneath the Shadows trip. And it Which, was more yes, like... Now that, uh, again, Beneath the Shadows was my favorite record, but that was the first one I heard, actually. I'll, I mean, I'll go into that in a bit, but... Yeah, but, I, I guess that, is, yeah. Yeah, so it was more like... You know, it was more like... Uh, it was more like a queen. <laughs> I mean, not, but not as talented. But 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 like if you went and saw Queen, you might hear "Death on Two Legs," and then uh, you know, and then you'd go into they'd go into like "Lazing on a Sunday Afternoon" or something. And there would be all these different musical kind of changes going on, mm -hmm. and and the show would be great. You know, nowadays you go see some of these punk bands, and every single song sounds fucking the same. And, and I'm, I'm not some, you know, dad going, that music all sounds the same. No, that music all sounds the fucking same. <laughs> sure. So it's like I'm well-versed in that style of music, and it all sounds the fucking same. Same fucking drum beat, same fucking verse structure, chorus structure. I mean, it's, it sounds the fucking same. So, anyway, blah, blah, blah. All right. No, no, no. I mean, that was uh, the. See, I got into you guys. You know, in in the old days, you you were out of the band at the time. I guess when uh, I had moved to Salt Lake and was hanging out with all the the other punks, and we we're listening to the Dead Kennedys. You know, just the standard right. fare, obviously. Because that's, you know, that's what we were listening to. And, you know, Bad Religion and Corrosion of Conformity. But 
what I loved about that, I, I, I heard, and it was it was just like a horror film soundtrack without trying to sound like Baja's Bela Lugosi's Dead, right? I'm not right, I'm a huge right. Baja's fan, but I was like, this is the this was fun. And it was just a kick because I, I, you know, and we went, we watched the the movie Superbia, and I was like, oh, that's that's cool, you know. There's there's Big Jack up there, kind of painted up and stuff, and that was what that was my first exposure to it. I was probably right. about uh, what fourteen at the time. I just moved <laughs> to Salt Lake. Yeah, shit, man. Yeah. And so that was great, and that was when I, I, I really picked up on it, and uh, so that was about 87, late 87, and then when you came through in 89, um, uh, at the, the, the Speedway, it was in, what, April of 89, you're going really? I don't. You know. I mean, I'm sure you just because you were doing 20 shows a week back then. I yeah, guess. yeah, yeah. But uh, that was when I, I just remember, like, the, the two times when I saw you and the Puddle Surfers. I remember just looking up and going, "That guy is really tall." That was the first thing I thought. Well, Gibby's taller than me, man. Gibby's like six seven. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But you on the stage in the position that you were, I was like, "Damn, that guy's tall, right?" And it was just, it was just funny because, and I remember bringing this up to you a while ago because I, I was listening to the bootleg of that. It was a crap recording, just mostly just. You know, yeah. But when you would banter in between the songs, that's what made the show so enjoyable. On top of, I mean, the music was great and we're all moshing and all that and stage diving, but you you turned it into a stand-up comedy show, and, and you've never strayed from that. You've always made sure everyone was having a good laugh while you just told stories. But the one night uh, when the kid had that Playboy bunny on his T-shirt... And you were like, hey, everybody, look, this guy's got a Playboy bunny on his shirt. Yeah, what do you think of that? Come here, man. Show everybody. Get in the lights. And then you said, does that, you think that shirt's going to get you laid? Because, man, all that shirt really says about you is I'm too lazy to date, right? And it was just, Are you I mean, sure, man? That doesn't sound like something I'd say. That is absolutely what, because I, I brought up, you're like, I don't remember that. I mean, it's what I would have said to the kid. Yeah. Because the, the kid was there just like, I don't know, he thought it was really cool wearing a Playboy bunny shirt or whatever, and you were like, get out on a date, man. That's not going to get you anything, you know? And it was great. You know, that was the kind of stuff that we enjoyed about the shows. Yeah. I mean, I, I, now, the talking shit, I, I do talk a lot of shit, and sometimes my guys, they get, they don't like it. <laughs> if that can, yeah, can you hear me? Yeah, I'm here. Yeah, I'm here. Oh, oh, I'm just saying, yeah, sometimes my guys don't like it. I, I talk a lot of shit, and uh, they don't like it. Well, like, there was that, there was the show at the vault where that kid got on stage and you, you chewed him out for uh, for stepping off the stage like a sissy, right? You're like, no, get back up here, man. You got to jump, right? You well, know, that he, was I mean, that's that's legitimate. He wasn't God, you know, he's not jumping off the damn stage. You know what I'm saying? It's like right. he's got to at least jump. Yeah, and and so and that went down in in history, and that was you know those moments that you you would do that were just that was what made your show so much fun, not just the theatrics and all of that, but that you you would banter and you'd interact with all of us. Well, and, and it's supposed to be fun, you know. It's like 
some of these guys take themselves way too fucking seriously, man. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like lighten the fuck up. It, it, it's you know, it's punk rock. It's just, it's just, you know, it's like, I, I mean, and sometimes even like I'll listen. To, I'll listen to these guys in these movies about old punk rock and these guys talk about the scene and their music and their band as if they fucking cured cancer. It's like, dude, you're, you're a punk. You're a fucking punk just dicking off, man. And now you want to take all this credit for this shit. It's just, I, uh, that's why I don't usually talk about stuff like this. I don't want to sound like a bitter asshole. Sometimes I just wish people that you fucking stop it. <laughs> well, uh, oh geez, what was the, I, I saw a joke. It was it was a mocking post the other day about how how some guy cut a red eye next to Jello, and so he got a free Jello spoken word experience. <laughs> oh yeah, but I, I don't think he was serious. <laughs> no, but he, he was making it out to be, um, you know, like you know, it was kind of like the Onion, right? He was telling the story, right, right. right. <laughs> I mean, but I can only imagine sitting next to Jello and having him just say whatever he would say. I mean, Jello, you never know what that guy's going to come up with. He's hilarious, you know. And, uh, but what, what I thought was, was really interesting was, um, and you got to agree with me on this one, right? The, what was cool about the dead Kennedys and you guys, and then so much of what wasn't New York or East coast at the time was you guys weren't about Mohawks. You weren't in, about having to dress the the way, you know what I mean? You didn't have to dress to look punk. I mean, when you look at the Dead Kennedys videos and all that, you're like, they look like a couple of guys, you know, they were just regular clothes wearing, you know, button-up shirts and all that, right? And I remember a lot of the, the West Coast, or just reading about it, and like you said, you know, everyone took themselves so seriously, but the West Coast really didn't keep it that way you know i mean you guys were we're just gonna be here i mean yeah you would dress up and and do the the horror film thing for the records which was which you know that was great but i i noticed that the west coast at that time was not taking themselves too seriously as bad as the east coast was you know or i mean they had to have the look if you're coming well, to New York I, City, you know. It wasn't all of them. I, I I think it's just different. I mean, we're older. Like, when we when we got into punk rock, it wasn't, like, about that as much. Like, at, at least not here, you know. It, it was more of a, I don't know, you know, straight leg pants, straight leg pants, and just, you know, it wasn't, I, fuck, I, I don't know, man. A lot of black. <laughs> right. <laughs> You know, it, it just more looked like, you know, I, I think a lot of the punks on this side, if they weren't wearing day glow and stuff, looked more like they came out of Rebel Without a Cause or something, you know? Right. Yeah, more like the Damned and not the Sex Pistols. Mine is Captain Sensible and his cheesy beret, but yeah, I get what you're Yeah, saying. but I mean, but even, right, but even if you look at the, you know, the Sex Pistols weren't looking like that. I mean, Johnny might have, but, but you know... Uh, the other guys weren't. They they didn't look like that. I, I, Steve Jones wasn't, you know, having big spiked hair like that and all that stuff. It was you know? Johnny and Sid that did actually. They had the the hair like that, but um, but 
Yeah, I mean, but like, again, a lot of people, you know, they, they look at the whole punk thing and they go, oh, yeah, there was, you know, the, the Sex Pistols and Sid. I'm like, you know, Sid was only in the band for six months, right? You know, like Glenn Matlock, you know, he was the original bassist and they, they really didn't get much visibility until Sid got in there because he was quite a publicity stunt, you know. Um, and he was just, that was just all messed up, but... Uh, the, the way that punk evolved in America was, uh, I, I guess, in the, the order they came, you know, England, East Coast, all the way to the West Coast. Because by the time you guys and X and everybody were kind of climbing out uh, into the scene and the Dead Kennedys, it wasn't about the look as much as it was just the sound and to have a good time. And, and uh, you know, like you said, you feel like some of these guys say they cured cancer, but... Well, you, you did write a lot of great music and offend a lot of people, so um, yeah, you, you do have that, you know. Right, but it but it wasn't like it wasn't also like that. The, the you know the punk made its way across. I mean, it arrived in the in the West Coast the same time it arrived on the East Coast. You know, it just uh, there were. I mean, you look at these early and I, I you know fuck I've forgotten more of the punk rock history than I fucking could remember. You know, it's. Uh, you know, I mean, I, I knew guys, like, out here, a lot of them liked all the early, like, the Bay City Rollers and shit. <laughs> what the fuck are you liking? You know, they like this whacked-out 70s, weird, glammy, I don't even know what the fuck. And then they all started getting into punk rock, and I, I don't know. I just like to cause trouble. It was just good background music for me to cause trouble. That's what it was for me. But but you, you stayed with it. You did pretty good. Um, well, I just were... kept playing because I couldn't do anything else. <laughs> Not like I can do anything else. I, 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 you know, it's, I've got some mental problems. Well, you you're know? a you're a hell of a good writer. You're a very good writer. Well, um, thank you. I'm I'm learning. Well, okay, American Demon, right? Because you, you said, I'm, I'm going to set up, I don't care if everyone calls me an asshole after this book, I'm going to write it, right? And and a lot of, and you said people were, were still very supportive of you actually using their real names in that in there. So I was like, oh, that's pretty <laughs> I, had friend, I had friends that were mad at me for not using their real names. <laughs> like, you know, guys literally calling me up and saying, you know what, you're an asshole, man. Why, why don't you just use my real name? It's like, dude, come on, man. Just, you know, they were mad that I didn't use their real names in there. Sure. It's like, look, I'm trying to do you a favor, guy. Well, right. You, you, yes. But like, I, again, I don't, I try not to air out scandal or grievances with bands and stuff, but, um, I have I've seen it all too. I've been backstage. I've seen it all. I and I just I won't throw names out unless the guy's dead and it's been written before. Then you know I could talk about it. But uh, yeah, I I don't want to throw people's names out there. But um, I've I've had some real shitty people that I've had to talk to in the industry over the years. Yeah, and uh, one of them I'm like, you know, when he dies, I'm gonna roast him. I'm going to publish that interview I had with that guy. You know. Um, not yet, though. I, you know, I, I I just don't want to come across as bitter. But you know, there was one A lister up there who he thinks he shits ice cream cones, and I was like, "No, nah, I'm done, man. You know, you can go stuff it. I'm not talking to you anymore. This interview's over." But um, yeah, well, there's so there. I mean, there's so many, and that's the thing. It's just not fucking worth it. I mean, sometimes it makes for good radio. It's good stories. It's good to read. But for me, it's like I, I just don't give a fuck. 
I don't care. And well, you know, it's like, oh, this guy's doing this. I don't care. I don't fucking care. It, it just doesn't, none of it, I, I just don't give a shit. Basically, I, I don't care what these people do. I don't care. I, I didn't care much before, and I, I care even less now. Sure, life's too short, right? Life's too short to care. Well, like, I just know, got other know. shit. There's just other shit to be doing. Uh-huh. You know? There's like plenty of other stuff to be thinking about. It, it's it's like, yeah, well, great. We could, we could do that, or we could go and do some recordings. <laughs> well, that's fine. Well, you know. Well, so okay, here, here on to that. Um, so, yeah, let me back up. In the book, Code Blue, Marla had red hair. I watched the movie that you guys made. I'm like, dude, why did he? You, why you, you didn't? She wasn't a redhead. Everything else in the story seemed great in that movie, but then why was she not a redhead? Oh, let me tell you something, man. We could go even. We could go even <laughs> further and further with that. I mean, they they. Okay, all right, here. I got to tell you this, all right? I. I took the book and I showed it to a buddy of mine. I actually scanned the pages of the story and sent it off to him, right? Um, and he was dying so hard. He, he was laughing. So he's, he's a gay uh, psychotherapist, right? Right. And so you, you know the section I'm talking about, right? You, you know the one I'm talking about because he writes back. He was reading it and he writes back and he says, the nightmare of every teenage boy. <laughs> I mean, yeah. he, said, he said, there's two things a teenage boy never wants to happen. You know, number yeah. one is that. The other is getting caught. You know, <laughs> and he, he just, he said that was one of the best stories he'd ever heard. And the way that you told it was phenomenal. So, um, the, you well, know, it was real. <laughs> oh, that, that happened? <laughs> <laughs> now, not only I, I, t- I tell you, man, that did happen to me one time. Oh, really? I, 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 I'm I, not okay. Just if what? you want to say it, I, I fine. I don't I'm care. Not, okay, go ahead. I mean, I don't care. I, I was. It was actually, you know, it was. I was surprised. I mean, fuck, I was surprised, man. I, I mean, this this woman I was with was extremely attractive. Uh, she was extremely attractive, and. Uh, you know, we're in the car making out, <laughs> you know, and things are we're having a great time. And she started talking dirty to me, and uh, and then she goes, "I bet you want to." Because we we're sitting out in front of my mother's house, we we're going to go inside, right? Uh-huh. <laughs> she said, "I'm not going to say exactly what she said," but she goes, "I bet you want to take me inside." And blah 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 and blah blah blah. And right when she said that, boom! Right in my pants. Not it. I wasn't even, touch, even touching it. It was just you know. And I go, "Oh well, not right now." <laughs> <laughs> oh man! Oh, and, and you know what was funny is she was. Uh, I mean, my face is hurting. I'm laughing so hard. My face. Oh, well, she was. To- oh. She was totally flattered. <laughs> you know oh, what man. I mean? Like, like okay. she was flattered. That it's like, wow. It's like you, you find me that. You know. Oh gosh. Okay. All yeah. This is explicit. I'm going to have to label this interview as. Well, I didn't. I didn't use any. I didn't use any. I know. I know. But boy, fill in the blanks, right? Um, Right. So, uh, 
I, I remember just like laughing about that because I mean I got the book for Christmas and my wife said you want it you go buy it from him so you know I, I sent you the money and, and you, you threw that, that picture in there thanks for signing that photo and all that um, I remember just reading it going if this even measures up to the, the subject matter of the song this is going to be the craziest book I will ever read and it happened it was great I, I it was it was that nuts and so kudos i've told a lot of other people about it and uh i don't know who else has bought the book but um the people who i've let read it did think it was quite a book so well there's no you know it's funny there's no uh there's no um the, the hardbacks there's no more hardbacks anymore because oh, that's what you gave me was the hardback of it. Sure. Right. Cool. So the hardback sold out. All those sold out. That was a one printing, and those all sold out. But you, they can get uh, softbacks, almost like a comic book style. Sure. That are out now. That's kind of you know it's kind of cool. And you know that whole story came out was because a friend of mine sent me a, um, a sent me a book uh, that Bukowski did. And it was an illustrated, R. Crumman illustrated, and Bukowski wrote it, and uh, I think it was called Show Me Your Love. I can't remember exactly, but uh, anyway, it was like just a book, you know, it was a, a, com a, a hardback comic kind of thing based on, you know, a, a Bukowski short story. And I thought, oh, I'm, I'm going to do that. I'm, I'm going to write a short story about the song and have somebody do it, and then and then the book turned into a short film. So it was right. Just, um, well, yeah, because you, you have been talking about the film for quite some time on online. I was like, okay, and then when you I saw the link to it, I was like, okay, I'm going to do this. I, I just and it was word for word to the story. Yeah, and except, although, except, except for Marla had, she wasn't a redhead. I was like, ah, you know. Good. Yeah, and Andy Dick was pretty funny, man, because uh, Andy Dick was so good in that film. I, you know, I re I really enjoy him, man. He's just, a, you know, he's a good. I know he's got had him. He's had himself some troubles, like a lot of people have. But uh, you know, he was so good in that film, and just all he wanted, like I gave him, he read the ba he read it basically. And then he had his key points, and then he just riffed on it. Like when the camera was on, he just kind of went into his. He just was Andy Dick, man. And, uh, <laughs> you know, and he played the character so well, and it was it was just it was such a pleasure to just sit back and watch him. You know, it was just mm -hmm. uh, you know it was it was excellent. It's good. He was a good dude, and just you know he's a good guy, and it was just. Uh, well, you know, good. Who knows about his behavior? Let me just say that right, he was right. great. In the, he was great in that part. Well, so speaking of movies uh, and about you and and that um, that one that we did last year, um, and I'll remember the name. It's called City of Salt. I keep forgetting the name of it, and I was in it. I was one of the leads, and I, you know, did, did, but when um, when we decided we're making that movie, right? And uh, we decided we'd throw Easter eggs in there. Actually, I did. I was like, hey, they made me the associate producer. So I'm like, I'm doing a lot of shit in here that I just want to do. And uh, I did. And I was like, okay, every scene, I'm going to be wearing a band's T-shirt. And each T-shirt is going to be an Easter egg about what we're covering. In right. Here, right. And so I didn't have a TSOL shirt. Uh, so uh, I, I, I 
but there was an issue of bullying in the film. And I was like, well, I could wear Jack's West Coast Dukes t-shirt because they did that, that bullying song, Fuck You Tough Guy. Right. Uh, okay, yeah, we can do this, right? If they, I, I wish I had a TSOL shirt, I would have worn it for that, because that would have been a little more of a direct correlation, right, for it. But um, but that was kind of cool. Uh, you know, I got to wear that, and that was in there. And uh, um, But I did make sure to be wearing it at the scene where we were talking about the slash and dash and everybody getting carved up, because that's right. the horror part of the film. I'm like, if I'm going to give Jack his credit, man, we'll do it in this scene, you know? So, yeah. Um, <laughs> But there was a line in there. I was just totally screwing around, and uh, I mean, I, I I basically said things in this movie that if if a re- if a real cop ever said them, he'd get fired, you know. Right. And uh, one of the best lines in there, I was just totally because we weren't like like the, the lady that I was acting off of. Her and I have been friends for almost thirty years, and we were just ad hocking it. We were just kind of going at it, and. There and the scene where we're just you know tying it up, and she knew I was going to say something like this, so she was ready for it. But the sound guy wasn't, and he was sitting just outside of frame, right? And right. He had, he had the mic on me, he had the boom on me, and I said, "Hey, man, if you want to keep looking into that, really, with all the whips and chains and leather straps and candle wax on the nipples, if you want to keep looking into those footprints, beat my guest, right?" <laughs> and and the sound guy just, he just couldn't hold it. He wasn't expecting it. So he starts laughing and the director's yelling, cut, you know, and all that. But the director came in, she's like, say that line again. Really, you got to use that one. So, so I mean, we, we had a lot of fun with that. But I was like, yeah, if I'm going to wear Jack's t-shirt in this, man, I'm gonna, I got I to gotta do him proud, you know. So, yeah, good. But, yeah, thanks for letting us wear Let me wear that one. Um Again, if we do another one, I'll, I'll find I'll get a TSOL one or find a way to weave that in. I, um, but hey, even crazier if you get up to Salt Lake anytime during the time when we're doing that, I'll try and find a way to get you in the film. You know, just yeah, I, no, no films for me, man. I'm done being on stage and being anywhere. You're not, really, you're not even going to take the road anymore. I don't know. I don't know. I I like to just I. I this is this whole break has been really good for me. I, you know, I just I just finished another book. I you know I'm I'm working. I'm just. Boy, what's the night. book going to be called? What's the book going to be called then? So everybody uh, called, can look for it. Oh, it's called the pulse. The pulse of the world. Okay. Yeah. And so what's it about? Uh, it's kind of a it's kind of a murder mystery. <laughs> that's what it's about. Hey, maybe we could take that and make the movie out of that one. You know, yeah, it's a murder mystery. It's it's pretty fun. Yeah, I, I like it. I'm I'm real happy. I'm happy with it. So, it, you know, some people that have looked at it, they say it's the you know it's the best thing they think I've ever written. So so that's wow. that's good. Uh, that's that's one to go looking for then, because um, it, it's not autobiographical like American Demon or anything. Well. Yeah, well, or maybe it is maybe it is and there's a secret life to jack we never knew about uh, yeah it's just you know it's funny because uh, i was able to use so much of myself in it mm-hmm. you know and, and it's funny because the editor the editor was goes well this this isn't this isn't uh, what they say. This isn't realistic. I go. It's exactly realistic. <laughs> that's exactly <laughs> that's exactly what happened to me and what i said 
you know. Uh, right, and, and you see, when I brought that, that that Playboy T-shirt up to you, you said, "I don't remember that," but that is what I would have said to that kid. So, you know, yeah, I guess it's, like that. It's, yeah. depending on the mood you were in, right? I guess because that was yeah. that was a great night. So, um, I'm going to ask for industry secrets here. Um, you know, Josie Cotton. I do. Yeah, and uh, I interviewed her a while back, and that was the craziest interview ever. That girl is hilarious. Okay, but yeah. you know that you know you know Chelsea. You work with her, um, but she said, "Oh yeah, yeah, we're doing a project together, and uh, it's it's a it's a split single. She's on one side, and you guys are on the other." And I've been dying to get any info on that since she told well, me. Well, it's I not. Well, we tried, but then it didn't. It, we tried, but then it didn't work out. It was. Um, we were going to do. Uh, she has. Uh, she covered a Rocky Horror Picture Show song, "The Time Warp." Okay. And and we covered "Sweet Transvestite." So we were going right. to do a split seven inch with "Sweet Transvestite" and "The Time Warp" on it. But then it just, you know, it's like a lot of those things you plan to do it, but then it just, you know, it doesn't work out. So, um, so it didn't work out. I would, I would, hey, you know, never too late, right? You can get around to it. I would love to get that, man. That would be just, that would be iconic to get from the both of you. Yeah, and she's um, great too, man. She's she's really very nice. Very well. Wonderful. Well, her and I were were talking about our favorite bad horror movies, right? In the interview, and it was just, I mean, you you know where a conversation like that would go. You can just imagine, what, especially someone like Josie. Yeah, like I, I asked her about like there, there was the, the the faster pussycat and all that, and I, I remember saying to her pussycat dolls, and then that, and I just said, hey. Did you ever hear the the band Fury in the Slaughterhouse out of Germany? And she says no, but I like that title though. You know, she's just she's just cool that way. I I adore Josie; she's great. But um, shoot, man, if uh, if you guys do get around to that, I want a copy of it signed by both. Yeah, if we do, you got it. I All guarantee right. it. So um, here's here's a funny story, and I think you would be the first guy to get it. All right. Again, I'm not naming any bands or anything. I'm not naming who it was, but I was in Boston, and these guys were a big band. They were playing at uh, at one of the arenas, right? And I knew the guitarist, and he said, "Come on down and hang out. We'll see you before sound check, right?" So I went down there, and and I walked in. You know, they gave me my laminate and everything, and I was walking in, and um, while they were doing sound check, the lead singer came up and was like freaking out on me right and he's like hey man um you got a car and i said yeah and he said can you can, can you can you me to a grocery store man i was like whoa wait what is like what's going on right and and he was kind of with the shakes and kind of like like scratching himself a lot right and my buddy, who was the guitarist, he says, look, if you could do this for us, mate, it would do us a big favor. Just take him to the grocery store. He needs to get his coffee stuff. And I was like, okay. So, I, you know, we go, we get in my car, and we drive to Kroger a mile away. The guy walks in and is out in, like, two minutes, sits down in my car, pours this really expensive Italian coffee creamer into his thermos, and starts drinking it. And then his body, he goes into, I'm not kidding, like he had just taken a shot of heroin. 
like he just goes off just just like melted right and it was really weird and i'm like going like okay what just happened like what the hell like i thought he was gonna ask me to go and, and help him score the real thing right we get back to the place i drive in there he gets out of my car he's fine walks off and i, I said to my buddy i said what the hell was that he sat down in my car drank his coffee and and he acted like he had just smacked up and he said well he went through a rehab earlier this year and he he od'd twice this year and we almost fired him but bands that fire their lead singer don't usually last very well they have a good uh, success rate after that so we kept him on put him through rehab and he got into some weird nlp hypnosis in the rehab and they changed his heroin to this kind of coffee and uh, so he's got this weird addiction to this coffee now by hypnosis. And I thought, that's the craziest thing I'd ever heard. But I tell that to you and you say, yeah, it worked, right? Well, no, 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 <laughs> no, I'm not going to say that. Uh, I, I, I'm well versed in hypnosis and mm -hmm. neurolinguistic programming and all that. Uh, I, I don't know. I, you don't think that worked? I mean, from the way they, from what happened there, they said it. They yeah, said whatever I, the hell it was, it, it got him off the junk. Yeah, who knows? Uh, I, for me, maybe. Who fucking knows, man? If somebody believes something's going to work, maybe it works. You know, uh, I, I don't know. I, I don't know. I, I've never heard that actually working. I, I don't know of any place. I, I've never even heard of a rehab or whatever that would do that. You know, I mean, who? maybe somebody else did that. <laughs> I don't know, man. I don't know how much he's fucking paying for that shit. But I, I mean, I'm a, you know, I'm a master hypnotherapist. It's like, I, I just, uh, I don't know. You know, there's, who fucking knows? Maybe. I don't well, know. I, it didn't I mean, sound like it doesn't sound like it solved any problem. Well, it, it, well, I and I said that to him. I said, "So you just traded one addiction for another?" And he said, "Well, we could handle him needing the coffee creamer uh, and and that. That's it's much easier to deal with that than it is him trying to get his junk. And we know he's never going to OD." Right, but the, 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 they did it over in England. I don't know who it was, but it was some group over in England. But I, you know, I knew plenty about NLP, but that was one of the more successful stories I'd ever heard. But yeah, uh, fuck, I, I don't know. Maybe I. Who knows? I don't know. Because <laughs> you did know. talk about you. You talked about it quite a bit before. How it, you know, it. Uh, you went and got licensed and all that with it. Uh, yeah, I, I, I was really interested in it for a long time. Uh, you know, I, I still find it interesting. I, I still use a lot of it for stuff. Uh, I don't know, man. I, I remember there was one guy that was pushing that as a as a control for addiction. I, I just. I don't know. I don't know. I, I just, I, maybe. <laughs> That's all I'll say, maybe. But, uh, well, you sobered up forever ago, right? You've been, you, I remember. Yeah, but, uh, yeah, almost 32 years. Yeah. Yeah, and that's that was rather impressive. I remember hearing the story about that. Um, either well, I just, 
it's funny because it's not it's not that you know it, it really just realizing that something is not going to work for me it, it's i'm not getting the results that i thought i was getting from it and i woke up to that fact and established a discipline uh walked through that discipline and then just never pick it up again you know i, I tell people it's like that. when i was a kid i used to have this bitchin wood burner set you know, it's just badass. Like, you know, gets up to 3,000 degrees. You know, just as fucking ages three and up. You know, this gnarly wand and you can write your name in any, you know, fucking write your name in concrete with that fucking thing. You know, it was gnarly, right? Well, one time I picked it up by the wrong end when it was hot. And, oh, wow. uh, and it burned the living fuck out of my hand. And I'll tell you, I never picked it up again. I never picked it up again. That thing got kicked against the wall. It got smashed. It got thrown outside. You know, I, I stomped it and threw a fit at it, right? Well, you know, drugs and alcohol burned me. <laughs> burned me. And I kept trying to find ways that they wouldn't. And it kept failing. You know, oh, if I only do it on the weekend, I'll be cool. Oh, if I only smoke weed. <laughs> oh, if I stay away from these people. And it just never, it just never worked out, man. And finally, it got to the point where I had, you know, basically done all of it, you know, and, and was just, I was done. I was done, man. So, uh, anyway. Wow. But listen, I, I got to get going. I got to get back to work here. I got to, I'm getting notes from the editor. I'm in the middle of, so I'm at the end of this book. Like, I was okay. telling you about this book. I'm at the end of it, so so we're right at the thing where they're you know they're they're on me all day. Hey, did you look at this? Hey, did you fix this? Hey, did you do this? And uh, you know, so, what, have you got a print date in in mind, or is that the next phase once you get through this part here? Well, they they, they have a print date. <laughs> I, I don't have a print date. My print date is trying to get this damn thing done. That's my print date. So, yeah, deadlines are amusing sometimes, aren't they? Yeah, um, it's been it's been such a pleasure speaking with you, and I, I hope to get out there and visit sometime. Oh yeah, no. So real quick, what song do you want me to play us out with? Oh, yeah, it's up to you, man. Pick pick a song. Yeah, I, I don't care. Anything you want's good. Okay, well then I will I will pick one and throw it out. It'll be a surprise to everybody. Thanks, thank you so much, Jack, and thanks everybody else for tuning in. Everybody, thank you for me. Yes, thank you everybody. Thanks, Jack, and uh, take care. Be good to each other. Let music do awesome in your lives. And that was the Jack Grisham episode. Thank you very much, Jack, for joining us on the show. And uh, hey, everybody else, this is their cover of It's a Wonderful World. And uh, special thanks to uh, TSOL and uh, everybody letting us use this wonderful music. Special thanks to Barry Andrews of Shriekback for letting us use the theme and title of Sneaky Jazz. Everybody, have a good week. Untrue and screams in the night. Once blessed days now dark amplified, and I say to myself, Is this so wonderful? The colors 
of the rainbow, once pretty in the sky, are also on the faces of those travelers you denied. I see you shaking hands, saying hi. Is this our 